podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's going on, Boneheads? We are back. We have a great show for you. Before we get into it, remember, check out our sponsors, mybookie.ag. Use promo code CHAIR. That is CHAIR. Use all caps for a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000 to gamble on anything you could want. College football, NFL, Major League Baseball, MLS, all the soccer you can want, politics, reality, television, all of it. Best customer service in the biz, best bonuses. Check them out. We would not be continuing to ride with them if they weren't the real deal. That is mybookie.ag, promo code CHAIR. Also, our local sponsor, Alma Creamery. That is the number one spot to get your Kansas Farmer milk cheese. It is the best. You guys have heard me rant and rave about them. They got the five-pound blocks and the cheese curds. My favorite, the garlic cheese curds. Check them out the next time you are wandering up and down I-70 in Alma, Kansas. Seriously, go check them out. And finally, BlueChew.com. Use promo code armchair. That is promo code armchair at BlueChew.com to get your first month free. It's the same stuff you'd find in Viagra or Cialis, but it's a chewable, so it acts up to two times faster. Check them out. Uh, You know, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, Real quick note before we get into this show with John Kurtz. I just listened back to it. There is some weird background noise. I don't know if there was a washing or dryer machine going on on John's side or if it was on my side. I can't identify it, but I believe it is such a good uh, show with John that I'm going to put it out anyways. I apologize for any of that extra background noise. But John is second to none when it comes to giving commentary on K-State football. So I really think uh, you guys are going to enjoy it. I do apologize for that extra background noise. Uh, Not our goal to do that. But uh, like I said, John's best in the biz. So I want you guys to enjoy the show. Uh, So without further ado, we're going to hit that sexy, sexy theme song and get into it. The moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix Please put your hands together and make a little noise For your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys Ooh, Bosco's boys Come on, boys Boneheads or Bonehounds, however you want to identify yourself, we are back, and it is the single greatest voice in K-State Sports Talk Radio, dare I say, history. He is the man, the myth, the legend, John Kurtz. John, how are you doing uh, as the voice of Sports Talk Radio for K-State fans today? Man, I'm doing great. There have been few better times to be doing uh, K-State Sports Talk than right now after uh, what we just witnessed on Saturday in Starkville, Stark Vegas. I'm excited to uh, to talk to all of you bonehounds out there. Definitely. So I'm going to just kick right into it. We are 3-0 and in the climbing era, and not much more could be going right. Um, you and I both were very early adapters and being on the quick side of backing this hire. How good does it feel to be taking almost a mini victory lap 
three weeks into the season, seeing what Chris Kleiman's been able to do, even in apparently the three letters FCS don't really mean much when it comes to Chris Kleiman. Yeah, it's been great. Like I, you know, and even I do have to admit, my first initial gut reaction to the hire was not a positive one. I was I was against it at first for the same, I mean, I fell for the same stigma that everybody else did. I was just more willing to come around to it and accept it because it was going to be the reality uh, no matter what. But it, it's been pretty awesome. I think the part that becomes a victory lap for me is not so much that I was like an early adopter right after the hire was announced, but that once I started to see kind of what the plan was and what Chris Kleiman wanted to do and how these guys were recruiting and how everything started to come together, being close to it, uh, covering it on a day-to-day basis, that's where I think it's it's really a victory lap for me because I got a chance to see it up close and I thought, you know, I mean, this seems really smart. This all seems like it's it's stuff that's going to work and can build a solid foundation for a program and other people that aren't as close to it, <clears throat> excuse me, I can understand <clears throat> how it would be tougher to, uh, to kind of come around to that. And so I think that's the rewarding part is like, hey, this justifies what I thought. The things that I thought that would make a good football program actually can make a good football program here at K-State. And, uh, you know, so I don't want to make it all about myself or all about those of us that did like the hire, but there is a lot of reward in that. And there's also a lot of reward just in the fact that it's it's a program run like a modern program. I mean, that that's really the thing. Like, it is proving, at least so far, that K-State can have a program that doesn't have to be stuck back in – 25 years ago and that's really cool i mean it's it's given me like this rebirth of my fandom where i've kind of realized now over the last even four or five years i mean 2012 is the last time i can remember being really really wrapped up in being a fan uh this is the first time since then that i really have been even though there have been some decent teams this is the kind of brand of football that i like and seeing the players happy and having fun like that's something i can get behind and and that's been the most rewarding part to me yeah, after that Mississippi State game finally went final, I was almost shaking like I had had too much caffeine or something just from the sure excitement and adrenaline running through my body. And it's just something that I don't think a lot of K-State fans have been able to feel, you know, like you said, in close to seven years. 2014 was fun. You know, winning at Oklahoma was fun. But I, I don't think K-State fans have felt – a connection to the program like they do right now since probably that 2011-2012 run. That's exactly it. It's it's like a true connection to the program that even in some aspects wasn't there in 2011 and 2012. Now it, it remains to be seen, and it's obviously not likely that, at least right now, they win at a level that they did in 11 and 12 where they won 21 games in two years. Um, but it's a, different, it's a different sort of feeling. Um, as much as you know, even those of us that, that kind of turned on Bill Snyder at the end, as much as people really did get frustrated with him at the end, I mean, he was the guy, right? Like, he was K-State's guy. But there still wasn't the intimate connection that you really feel like you have with Chris Klein, just because he lets everybody else in, not just to him, but to his assistants and to his players and all of that. So I think that creates something different. And I mean, admittedly, I, I try and fight this a little bit, and I – I don't want to be just a a guy who's in the the back pocket of the athletic department or whatever, but I know that there are some out there um, who who would think that way, but like you pull for these people when you're around them and they, they do treat you well. So 
I still feel like I'm capable of being critical of some things and still will be, but it is nice to be around people. And I'm sure you feel the same way, you know, Gene Taylor, who's willing to come on my radio show every other week, who's willing to go to your podcast. Um, it's, it's cool to be able to see those people succeed and succeed doing something that you are really invested in at the same time. So that's been awesome. And I mean, like I, you know, I have had moments in the past before when I've been, especially down on the sideline. Um, I'm, I'm only filming on the road now. Um, but I've had moments before where I get a little wrapped up in it on the sideline where you can let your, yourself go a little bit more. But, I'm, man, I just found myself doing it more and more at Mississippi State. It was it was unlike I had, anything I had done in a while. And in particular, I just remember this moment in the fourth quarter. It was during the go-ahead touchdown drive. Um, I'm next to Flando. Both of us were filming, like, in an end zone. And Mississippi State's people were all really nice, like, very nice, incredibly helpful. But I, I, I did lose by cool a little bit when uh, when Dalton Schoen catches the go-ahead touchdown pass. There was this, like, Mississippi Highway Patrol guy that's standing in the end zone policing it. A lot of times you have to kneel in the end zone, but he had been letting everybody stand, no problem. There really wasn't any enforcement of that going on at all. And after we scored the go-ahead touchdown, I just, like, fist-pumped and, like, shoved Flando, and I was like, man, let's get one more stop and get the fuck out of this place. And, uh, <laughs> and this... And then two seconds later, Flando walks off. The the security guy on the next play, the highway patrol guy comes over and he was like, I'm gonna need you to take a knee. And I was just like, Oh, all right, well <laughs> maybe I should maybe I should keep it in check a little bit uh, a little bit more. But like honestly, those are cool moments, man. I mean it, it feels like what it was like for me growing up being uh, just as hardcore of a K State football fan as there could have been. Yep. Another thing that I think uh, both of us deserve to pat each other on the back is our unwavering support of Skylar Thompson. Uh, he just took on a top 25 SEC team, won it on the road. Um, and then if you combine how he started this season along with his freshman season and when he was allowed to play without looking over his shoulder, he's shown that he is one of, if not the most efficient and high quarterback IQ guys playing the position in college football. How good does it feel to see this guy finally being able to play to his potential with a coaching staff that believes in him and has just handed him the reins? Yeah, I mean, there's like everything that we're talking about here encompassed in one thing. It's like a microcosm of it all um, with Skyler because – Skyler has the elements of, okay, this is a guy that I do feel like in just covering him and talking with him immediate things, like I've gotten to know a little bit. And I, I've always thought he was a really good kid. He stayed incredibly loyal to K-State when I probably wouldn't have. And I think a lot of people wouldn't have. And so it's the same sort of feeling, just like I'm talking about with Kleiman or Gene Taylor, where it's, okay, you like, I think this is a good person that's trying to do good things for my school. I'm really happy that things are working out. But the other thing that Skylar Thompson has is even more so than the hire, um, because like I said, at first I was I was a little bit against the hire and it took some time to come around. Not for one single day or one single second have I ever thought differently about Skylar Thompson. Um, I have been steadfast in that the whole time. So if there's an element of this that I'm just, if I'm being honest, is the most uh, self-righteous of it, it's absolutely Skylar Thompson. Because, I mean, like... Alex Delton at TCU with 
a much better infrastructure of an offense, a way better playmaker at wide receiver than anything Skylar Thompson has right now. Phil Steele's best offensive line in the Big 12. Uh, two really good running backs. Delton was one for five. Or I think it was one for six for five yards on Saturday and rushed three times for negative three yards for TCU. And he's going to – I mean, he's losing that job to a, to a true freshman uh, quarterback there in Duggan. Like, Skylar Thompson, meanwhile, I just saw the stat today in terms of uh, percentage throws on target, leads the country so far through three games at over 90%. He's ahead of every big name. It's like Jake Fromm, Jalen Hurts. I mean, those are the guys – that are in the top five, Trevor Lawrence and Skylar Thompson's above them. Um, and not only the throws that he's making, but twice he's checked into uh, runs that went for touchdowns to James Gilbert. There should have been a third. Um, I actually thought one of the most impressive plays all the way around was at Mississippi State, the third and five inside the 10 at the end of the first half, right before the sneak that put him in front. Skyler had the guts to check into a run play there and handed it off to James Gilbert. And then James Gilbert rewarded him with one of the toughest, toughest ass runs you'll ever see um, to get down to the one and get the first down. But it's stuff like that, like just his overall knowledge of the offense. I mean, there's not like the thing with Snyder is you always with Snyder quarterbacks. It was always, you know, they'd be held back. Daniel Sams is held back because the narrative is he doesn't understand the offense well enough, right? Well, I mean, look at Skylar Thompson's command and presence and knowledge of the offense to go along with just his skill set. Like, he's got it all. He's got the total package. It should have been everything that a Bill Snyder quarterback should be, and that's why it was so ridiculous last year, and that's why it was so maddening and so frustrating, and that's why I asked four fairly carefully worded professional questions about a quarterback in a press conference that led to his blow-up, and so, like, yeah, man, like I'm, I'm trying as hard as I can to move on from it and not be like self-righteous about it all the time. And I truly am coming around to the point where it's like, OK, this is all just awesome. This is what everybody accepts. Um, I think everybody realizes what happened last year and how that needed to be the end. Um, but it's tough. Like I'm human. There's a self-righteous side of you that just wants to to have everybody. I like the, the KSO thread where someone it was just like Skylar haters get in this thread. Like, yeah, just everybody line up. Right now, one by one, anybody that was crapping on Skyler last year or trying to raise legitimate questions about my decision-making ability in terms of who I'm justifying as the better quarterback, like that's it's it's selfishly, it's been pretty awesome. I'm not gonna lie. Well, I've enjoyed watching you take your victory laps. I've gotten to do it on a slightly smaller scale when it does come to backing Skyler, but we'll move on from patting each other on the back. Um, so I, I have a question for you because I, I think everyone has their own theories on this, but, you know, we're only, you know, eight months removed from finishing the season five and seven, and you don't have a ton of new talent on this team. Yes, we know the running back situation. Uh, you had to bring in, you know, all new contributors at running back, but you lost the Big 12 leader and rusher. You lost NFL players on the offensive line and in the defensive backfield. You lost your leading receiver, and yet they're already 3-0. and Do you attribute it more, and I, I, it's not 100% either way, but do you attribute it more to truly, hey, this is a culture change and handing the program kind of back and empowering the players, or is it tr truly just that big of a step up when it comes to the X's and O's and scheming department? I think I think it is probably like 75, 25 culture change. Um, 
because I mean they they have done some nice things. I, I think like for instance, like James Gilbert has surpassed my wildest expectations. And I mean, obviously, I love Skyler, but you talk about man crush developing fast for me. It's James Gilbert and the way that he runs. I mean, he was number two in the country going into that Mississippi State game in yards after contact this year. Um, they've added some nice pieces and truly have done some nice things. But really. All that they've done is come in and get 100% buy-in from everybody. Um, I'll shout out KSU underscore fan because I think he pointed this out where someone was saying, you know, oh, it's that last coaching staff that cashed it in and it was, you know, they didn't. I, I don't think that was it at all. I don't think the old coaching staff had cashed it in. They just couldn't get buy-in from the team. I think that's what's so different now is you just have everybody 100% bought in. Not only is there not splintering about a quarterback, but there's not just a general um, – it's not really a lack of respect, but just a there's not just this general disdain uh, for the guy in charge and the way things are being done, which is what was there. I mean, it's done a complete 180. And so you're having players being allowed to make plays like we all saw Malik Knowles when he came in in flashes last year. And you're like, this guy clearly is the most talented receiver on the team. Like, why the hell is he not out there on the field? Um, Chris Kleiman doesn't put you in any of those situations. He wants to let his guys go make plays and play through mistakes. And I think we talked about it with Skylar Thompson, but it's clearly helped out the entire they're uh, on in the game. Stuff like that. Re across the board, more so than even X's and O's are bringing in new players. I think these guys are really sharp. I mean, I think the X's and O's are great. I think Scotty Hazleton, for instance, um, he's going to be tough to hang on to based on what we're seeing so far from him, what he's doing defensively. So that's a part of it, but I just think the the overwhelming majority of it is the culture change. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I think it was so evident where you see K State last year. They play Mississippi State. They lost by 21 points, and we I mean we've all seen it. You you've I'm sure said it on the radio today. We I said it in the uh, preview and review show of the game. 21 points was being super nice to K State. They were much more defeated than just by 21 points. And you turn around and if it wasn't for a handful of mistakes, you could have blown Mississippi State out on their home turf. And yes, they lost multiple first round draft picks. Uh, yes, they had to bring in new quarterbacks, but this is that's still a roster that's littered with four and five star talent. Um, is there one thing, what is the one thing being able to watch that down on the field that was the biggest difference between those two games. I, I will tell you there's one thing far and away, and it's the thing that I like the most about this game. I think it did actually, K-State took it too far in a couple instances, uh, cop, cop, Wayne Jones. But uh, I will take the mistakes with this if it means that you're you're bringing the goddamn attitude, man. I mean, they, they came out with this attitude that they were not going to back down and not be intimidated, and that started before kickoff, like, you probably saw the video that I posted on Twitter of Justin Hughes just giving like a very fiery, impassioned speech um, to, to the linebackers. Um, Connor Riley, like that guy gets very fired up. Those assistants, like they, they have been fired up on the field before the first two games, but there you could just tell. I mean, there was a little something extra there. Like those players, the coaches, they wanted K-State to go out there and really assert their will and show that they weren't going to be afraid. And they met the physicality of an SEC team, albeit without three first-round draft picks. I mean, there's no sugarcoating that. Mississippi State is not um, at all what they were last year from that standpoint. But they still are SEC athletes. They have that SEC attitude. And K-State brought the attitude to them. 
and you saw how chippy the game was, but even stuff like was the Denzel Goolsby interception. It turns into like a big pile of people on the sideline and everybody from the K-State sideline is coming up, not backing down at all, sticking their chest out, like ready, to, ready to go fight if they need to right there. And it, luckily it didn't get to that or anything, but the fact that they were willing to do that, I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I love that you just wasn't there last year. I mean, Skyler Thompson in the Oklahoma game. I'm trying to remember what the specific circumstances were, but he gets knocked down and like, I think Abdul Beecham was the only offensive lineman to run over there and grab him. I mean, just stuff like that. It just wasn't that like toughness and attitude and intimidation. K-State went out there not only trying not to be intimidated, but to intimidate Mississippi State. And I just could not love that more. And I think that was the thing that really permeated everything that K-State did in the game that, that is the key uh, to getting that thing turned around from just being blown out and manhandled last year to being able to win the game on the road. Yeah, I, I couldn't put it any better myself. The biggest difference, if you're going to show someone who has had their memory erased of the last three years, if you want to show them the biggest difference between this year and last year, it's showing the Skylar Thompson play, which, if I recall correctly, he scrambled, got hit maybe one step out of bounds. Then he got up and was surrounded by Oklahoma players. It took Abdul Beecham, at least he came over, but it took him three, four seconds, and then show him every single time a comparable situation happened at Mississippi State game, and you have the entire team. It, it truly is night and day when it comes to the passion uh, that's being played with. And quite frankly, you know, you're going to get some of those penalties, and you have to be smart when you're going to do that. But I'm going to take that every single day of the week and twice on Saturday uh, versus being passive and letting the aggressor bring it to you. Yeah, and I mean, climbing – in his post-game press conference has basically said as much like he said one at halftime you're fresh off of the mistakes including one of those hits um from wayne jones that i mean that that's bad that's that's bordering on just being a, a stupid play as opposed to an, an effort thing and trying to bring intimidation or whatever so i mean that's got to get fixed wayne jones can't do that but with all that fresh in mind chris Lyman said his focus at halftime was just hey we're ahead. We're clearly the better team here. It was not look at these mistakes we've made. And I mean, that that's the complete 180 from what it was before. And I, I think that's such an important thing that he understands it, Like he gets it. Chris Kleiman is just a guy that gets it. He understands that over the course of a game, stuff like that is going to happen. Guys are trying to make plays. Uh, AJ Parker's pick. That was another one where he said, Hey man, AJ Parker's trying to go make a play. Like, is it frustrating that AJ Parker fumbled when he gets clocked by an offensive lineman? Sure. Could he have just run out of bounds? Sure. But damn it, like AJ Parker's trying to run that thing back to the house. He's trying to make plays. And Climate understands that there's going to be some collateral damage to that sometimes. But over the grand scheme of things, it's going to be better. And it's going to cultivate a football team that can actually go win that game. Um, you know, the special team stuff is kind of the same way. I, I don't know so much that that was really guys trying to make huge plays as it is. You got to just learn how to execute that. But I know Chris Kleiman, from what he said, post game would, would file that under the same umbrella as well. But that's the thing. I mean, special teams probably has stepped back a bit, especially in terms of some of those discipline things. But guess what? Everything else with the team has improved so much more that the Nets is just a way better football team. And uh, I'll, I'll take that for right now. I think the bigger picture, more important things are happening, and you can go back and start to try and fix some of that other stuff. 
I agree with you. And another thing that I'm going to assume is going to be much different uh, compared to the previous staff is how they handle bye weeks. If you talk to some players, they would say that the bye week practices were just as tough, maybe even tougher than fall camp practices. And notoriously, the coaches were not able to go out and recruit at all. Um, I know Chris Common was asked a question about this. There's some stuff over at KSO. But what are you expecting out of K-State during this bye week? And what will practices look like? And what will the recruiting situation be like? And will the coaches be out and about? Or are they all going to be staying in Manhattan? It's a really interesting question. And I'm hoping so tomorrow, uh, I guess I, I should pray, Tuesday this week is the the only media availability that we will have with uh, with Kleiman and company um, during the bye week. And I'm sure he'll get a lot of questions about that. And I'm, I'm curious how he'll answer that. I know Derek Young um, had, had shared a little bit of insight on the KSO boards about it, that it sounded like a couple coaches would be going out of state and, and there would be a couple that would recruit here locally, um, locally slash regionally in state, maybe the Kansas City area, something like that. Um, I'm sure that they will definitely use it to recruit. I don't know that they, it's going to be uh, just as night and day as what everything else with the program has been, because I still do think there is a lot of focus on, hey, you know, we got a job to do right now, but they will at least do what most staffs are doing. And like, hey, we have a free Friday night. Why not go watch kids in the Kansas City area and and go pimp this win that we have? I mean, that's the other thing. Just the timing is so perfect with the biggest win that you've had to be able to go out and take that on the recruiting trail. Um, I, I think it's great. And, and by the way, doing it at a time when Kansas has a game, it's going to be tougher for Kansas coaches to be devoting as much time and trying to play up their win over Boston College. And we know how important those recruiting battles are going to be. So I, I just think they'll be smart about it. And, and practice is already they're They're going about two hours as opposed to three hours um, under Bill Snyder. So they're already at a way better starting point as far as fresh legs are concerned with that. Um, and I would guess that they back it off some and, and give these guys a little bit of a chance. It's just it's going to be common sense things. Like I would imagine – that some players would have a chance uh, perhaps to go back home for a little bit, which I know was always a sticking point with players under Snyder, that even in, in times where it really made sense for players to be able to go home, there there would be a practice instead of put in the morning where guys could get out later, it'd be, you know, put whenever normal practice time was and it would limit guys the ability to go home. Just stuff like that that I think are common sense things would be my guess as far as things that will be different during the bye week. So you're saying they're not going to do a full hour's worth of conditioning Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hopefully not, man. Uh, boy, I tell you what, like, oh, there's a former player I've been talking to a lot lately that played on the, the 2012 team. I mean, that that is pretty convinced that uh, that stuff really did matter in them crumbling and, and falling apart at the end of the season, that they were just being too overworked. Well... I, uh, I won't make any more pot shots uh, for this pot. I'm sure they will come a little bit later and hand in the coming weeks. Uh, one thing I want to touch on, because it was quite the controversy today on Monday, we're recording this, um, the Big 12 TV schedule for week, I guess it would be week five came out. Yeah, I guess it'd be week five. This is week four, bye week, so week five. And K-State, Oklahoma State are playing a 6 p.m. game on ESPN Plus, it created a uh, lot of uh, Twitter controversies, some message board fights, um, 
it, it allowed me to, you know, practice my devil's advocate skills a little bit on Twitter. Uh, you know, some folks will scratch their head when they listen to this and be like, what are you talking about? I saw all your tweets. Well, I was just having fun. Um, it's not a great situation, uh, but I don't think it's quite as bad as what some folks would make it out to be. Uh, I know you were uh, a little bit more on the side of this is this kind of sucks a little bit more than I was. I was a little bit more down the middle before I decided to play a character. Um, so what are your thoughts on it? Is it really something that is a screw job or is this just ESPN trying to make an extra buck? So here's my thing with all of this. I think this is I, I am somewhere in the middle ground. I think a lot of people just always, you know, run to one side of it as everybody does in 2019 and, and think that there are a lot of things that aren't mutually exclusive. And like, so here's, here are things that I think about this situation. I think that this is, if you're ESPN, pretty smart business, because I don't think that this is all about like the big 12 is trying to position Kansas and TCU uh, over this game because they legitimately think that's a better matchup for TV and all that. No, but if you're ESPN, you want to get not only a game that has a little bit of juice to it, you, you don't want to put, for instance, like I know this is this week, but like Iowa State, Louisiana Monroe on plus, if you can put K-State, Oklahoma State, because, hey, that's a more intriguing game, obviously, and you're trying to get people to subscribe. The other thing that's very smart about it is, say, as opposed to KUTCU, I mean, how many Kansas fans and how many TCU fans would actually go pay the $5 to sign up to watch that game? TCU is a small private school. It's not a, a huge uh, alumni base and fan base, relatively speaking, or a, a relatively passionate fan base compared to the peers in the Big 12. And Kansas football is Kansas football. So you're not you're not going to get a ton of people to come and subscribe, which is what the goal is here. K-State and Oklahoma State, you have two of the most loyal fan bases in the Big 12. Uh, people are going to pay because they're painted into a corner. They want to watch their teams. They're going to pay. And... I think a lot of people who would have done that for the beginning game against Nichols, like they're probably still just paying it. Uh, the amount of people that actually remember to go cancel that stuff if they want to be intentional about it uh, is a lot smaller than you think. And so it's it's smart business by ESPN to do that. Now, from the Big 12 standpoint, I think should have done more to push it onto a different game like that because I, I would think the Big 12 would want to showcase a story in a team like K-State and what they're doing. And, I mean, who knows if Oklahoma State will be ranked, but if they beat Texas, they certainly will be. But those are two programs that I would think the Big 12, I would hope the Big 12 would try to respect a little bit more with that than just giving in to ESPN because that, that's the vibe that I get. Now, I'm not the most connected guy when it comes to the Big 12 office, but at least from K-State side of things, I get the vibe that there's frustration that Bob Bowlesby has kind of laid down on this and just let ESPN really dictate what they want with this Big 12 now and ESPN Plus thing. And um, that's the frustration, I think, from K-State's side of things. And I can tell you for sure, uh, K-State did not take this lying down. <laughs> K-State was not happy about this. It had been mentioned and floated a couple of weeks ago. There was a lot of pushback then. Um, I think especially after K-State won this weekend, there was a lot of pushback now. Um, but this is, it's, it's a Bullsby thing. Like there's, there's not much that K-State can do. Their hands are kind of tied on this. And so I just think it sucks because you would hope that you get the maximum amount of exposure possible when you parlay a new coaching hire into a huge early season win, like what happened against Mississippi State. So do I think it sucks that it's not 
a game that can be easily seen by more people or a game that can be easily seen by more recruits? I do. I do. And I, I would totally, totally support anybody that is frustrated by it for that. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going in on this is a conspiracy against K-State and it's all about they think Kansas TCU is better. No, like I understand what's happening here, but that doesn't mean that I have to like it. And um, I, I think it does suck that that's the way that this has worked out. Because, I mean, like what, if you're Taylor Bratt, are you going to go tell, say, like Turner Corcoran or something? Like, hey, Turner, uh, why don't you go pay $5 a month to buy ESPN Plus to, to go watch our game here and see what we do? I mean, like, a lot easier to just say, hey, man, flip on FS1. Watch us play. Um, that, that's the difference here. Is that the biggest difference in the world? Is it the worst thing in the world? No, probably not. But I think it sucks, and, and I'm a little pissed by it, and I would understand those that are. I will give Turner Corcoran my login because I'm going to be down in Stillwater. So, Turner, I know you're listening. Uh, Slide into the DMs if you want my login information. But for real, I I understand the frustration. It's not ideal. But this is the way of the future. Um, We're going to have, my guess is, double-digit basketball games when it's all said and done with non-con impossible Big 12 basketball games. So folks probably should just subscribe and get – just get acquainted with the great content on ESPN plus, but I understand it. I understand also the conversation about the older generation. I have a great aunt Berta in Osborne, Kansas. She's 90. She doesn't have internet. Um, so she's going to have to listen to Stan and Wyatt instead of getting to watch the game. And she's going to be pissed. I understand all the bad stuff that comes with it, but the fact that the big 12 has signed up to do this, to be the first conference to go all in with ESPN Plus and even offer up good conference games. I think long-term it is what is 100% best for the conference, which is best for K-State, which is best for us as fans as K-State. So I had to kind of stick that all in there before uh, I moved on from that subject. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, I, I totally understand that, and that's where, like, some of my frustration with this, like, you know, and I mean, you, you, we both, lo- I, I love Kellis, um, but Kellis's initial response to me was like, oh, when did you get so old? Like, no, my, my thing is not a problem with having games on streaming. And I fully, fully understand that, that that's where this is going. Like, that's where it's going. And the Big 12, hopefully, when the grant of rights comes up and all that stuff, like they'll be able to put together an actual legitimate Big 12 network. I have no issue with that. And I would tell people the same thing, like. I actually like ESPN Plus a lot. I like some of the content that's not just games. I think it's a really good product, and you are going to get a lot of basketball games there. You should go do that. And and if you are somebody that's in an area where that's tough or you just the, the technology is tougher to figure out, um, I mean, I have some level of, of sympathy for that, but you're going to have to figure it out because that's the way that the world is going. Um, so I'm, I'm with you on all of that. To me, it just comes down to more of a respect thing. It's just... I was hoping that K-State would be treated with more respect in this uh, to therefore help push forward in the immediacy, uh, the product of it. But I I think you make some pretty good points. I agree with you. And I just want to point out that Kellis messaged me and he was like, I can't believe what's going on right now. So I'm finally glad that, you know, I was on the right side of a Kellis message on a controversy. So (laughs) Well, he's called me. He, he's called me out a couple times in the private messages and some text messages. So I'm happy I, I didn't get called out on this one. I just uh, Kellis was acting like a self righteous talk show host, like uh, somebody else that I know, in the way that he was taking on fans with this. I was a little bit surprised. 
Yeah, and you were acting like, you know, down the road, Big J journalist. You guys must be having a Freaky Friday thing going on right now. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. I guess I'm the journo now. Yep, all right. So uh, as we are uh, rolling out, uh, I'm going to finish up with a couple questions. Uh, a little bit more rapid fire, but you can give me some analysis on all of these. Um, when this game is played out, what do you think will be in store for the Cats when they go down to Stillwater? I realize it's about two weeks out, but what are you expecting from that game? And I feel pretty good about it. Um, it seems like Oklahoma State's defense is not great at best, and I just need defense that seems relatively soft. K-State will probably be able to run the ball fairly well against and, and control the game. And, I mean, until – until you have the muff punts and stuff, K-State was doing exactly that at Mississippi State. I know that Mississippi State winds up with five more possessions than K-State in the game, which is crazy, and, and one time of possession. But I think that would have been a lot different if you just take away um, the muff punts and silly mistakes like that and, and the Parker interception and all that stuff. I think they'll be able to do that against Oklahoma State. Um, I also think that it appears Chuba Hubbard is Oklahoma State's best thing going as good as Tylen Wallace is and as as flashy as Spencer Sanders has been and I think K-State's defensive line in particular the interior D-line has been playing really well and they just handled Kylan Hill who I, I think is a better um, running back than Shuba Hubbard so I, I think there's a lot that indicates it's a decent matchup for K-State and they've shown the ability to go play on the road I think it will be a more hostile environment because it's a night game at Boone Pickens and I think it'll be more full um, so I, I do think that's something to worry about but I I think it's at worst a 50-50 proposition for K-State right now. I feel pretty good about their shot. All right. So as I recall, when you came on the Blitz Week show, you predicted 5-7. and seven. Are you coming off your 5-7 and seven prediction now? And at the 3-0 and o point, what is your predicted record? Yeah, so definitely off of 5-7. and seven. I think after the first two games – I had gone ahead and up that. Did you go to six and six? Yeah, I was like, you know, they, they clearly looked like a bowl team the, the first two games. So went back to six and six, and my my thought had been like, I am, I am absolutely on the boat of like being more optimistic about it and thinking like, okay, you beat Mississippi State, you have a chance. This could be an eight or nine win season. Uh, the one thing is just it's so health contingent because if they have a key injury somewhere, it could make a huge difference. And we got a little dose of that on Saturday with Skylar Thompson. I mean, I was standing right there in that end zone and watched him like yank his thumb back into place. And I thought he just dislocated the thumb on his throwing hand and went up and looked at it on my computer at Google at halftime and, and just asked Google like, Hey, what's the, uh, what's the recovery time for that? And it flashes up six to eight weeks, which I didn't tweet because I knew that would send everybody into more of it. Oh, I was freaking out. Um, I was freaking out big time. But, I mean, that's that's exactly it. Like, it's that close. You're that close uh, to, to how different does the season look if it's if it's Nick Oscar, John Holcomb at quarterback. And um, that's why I'm hesitant to really go too far. I, I would probably, if you put a gun to my head, I'd say seven and five. Um, but I think if they stay healthy, there's no reason they couldn't go eight and four. Or maybe if they get a break or two, nine and three. Um, but just playing, playing it safe. I feel like trying to put guardrails on my optimism. Like I keep saying, I'll, I'll go seven and five right now. All right. Here's the next question. It's a hypothetical that I myself struggled with when I was writing this out. If a magic genie came to you and said, book it or cook it, I give you two and one, 
or let it play out over the next three games? Are you taking the guaranteed two and one? Or are you letting the next three games play out? <sighs> I would probably, my gut when you said that first was say, I'd take the two and one. Um, just because, I mean, being five and one sounds so nice. I mean, that, that sounds real nice. Um, but I, I think there's a shot they could go three and oh. I mean, what game out of those that they're going to play is, is definitively a lot tougher than Mississippi State and Mississippi State. There isn't one. Yeah. I mean, Mississippi State, if they, I mean, they should have won, let's be, they should have won that game by probably 14 points, um, 14 or 17 points. So, I understand why you would let it ride. I'm just I'm going to be a little more conservative, just as my gut here, and and go with I'll I'll take the genie. I'll take two and one. All right. So I assume based on how torn you were, you definitely would let it play out if he was giving you only one. Absolutely, would totally okay. let that play out. Yes. All right, and then uh, to to wrap it up, I just want quickly give me your initial thoughts on each of the Big Twelve schools. I'll name them down uh, top to bottom based on their preseason Big 12 media poll. First off, Oklahoma, what have you thought from the Sooners early on? Yeah, it cut out on me a little bit there. Scott, could you repeat that question? Oh, yeah. I said just to wrap us up, I'm going to go top to bottom based on the Big 12 preseason poll, and I want you to give me one or two quick thoughts on all the Big 12 schools. I was going to start with Oklahoma. What have you thought of the Sooners so far this season? I feel pretty justified in thinking it was as simple as give a quarterback as accomplished and talented as Jalen Hurts to Lincoln Riley. And it's going to be awesome <laughs> because that's, that's basically what it's been so far. Um, I think they're a college football playoff contender, not a hundred percent. I mean, I'll need to see more from them against different competition to totally believe that. But I think the Jalen Hurts stuff is for real and that's going to give them a, a really good chance at it. All right. When we're six and no college game day, will be coming to Manhattan when the Sooners come to town. So I'd say put that down in pen. I don't see any way that doesn't happen. Um, next, UT, tough loss to LSU, but they really fought with them the entire game. Yeah, I thought that LSU game was more about LSU than it was Texas. Like, I think Joe Burrow's actually legit, and they've found an offense. I think Texas is still about what I thought they were. I, I had this – I thought like 9-3, and three, maybe 10-2 and two for Texas – um, maybe more on the nine and three side now. I still think they're a pretty good team. Uh, I just don't think that they are top ten, top five good. All right, I feel good. Definitely having this next team lower on my personal ballot, but the Charlie Brown motherfuckers, the Iowa State Cyclones. I feel like we should just take a, a second to laugh at them here before I go. Any, oh my! Any further with any analysis? I mean, <laughs> my God! Like what? The end of that game. Boy, just the uh, the epitome of just, you know, like taking your fingers and like blowing a kiss in the air. I mean, just perfect. You couldn't have drawn it up any better. Game day actually comes to Ames. They go through hours and hours of weather delays. The students are running around like dumbasses on the field. They're in the delay there. And then, which I know, like, let the students have fun. I'm just, I'm, I'm on a roll here. Um, and then Iowa State loses a heartbreaking, gut-wrenching game because two dudes run into each other on a punt and the ball hits one of them in the back. I mean, just to cap off a perfect day uh, for Cyclone fans, that is great. I think I honestly, I think Iowa State, in all seriousness, is about what I thought they were at the beginning of the year. I thought they're a six or a seven win team. Um, I think they're just in the middle of the Big 12 like everybody else. And 
I still feel that way now having seen them play Northern Iowa and Iowa. Uh, I just, I think they're okay. I don't think they were as good as everybody had hyped them up to be. I think five wins is on the table for Iowa State. So I'm holding out hope for that. The next one, the TCU Horn Frogs. Tough to figure out, man, because I, I know, like, I mean, Delton's obviously not been good. Um, Duggan, even though it seems like that's inevitable and in indirect working with uh, some TCU folks real close to their program, it seems like that. I mean, that's really been not that it was hard to see, but that's been the thought along all along is that Duggan eventually is going to be the guy. Their quarterback plays so bad, but their defense does seem really good. That was a nice win at Purdue with or without Purdue starting quarterback. I think they're another one of those teams. I could see them anywhere from six to eight wins. I think the defense is probably good enough to get them to a bowl no matter what. Um, if Duggan starts to come around at quarterback, maybe they can push up towards third or fourth in the Big 12. All right. We already kind of talked to, about them a little bit, but Oklahoma State, they struggled with Tulsa more than I thought they would. Yeah, they did. Um, I think some of that, like, now, to be honest, I have not looked real closely into that game. I know I just was watching score updates throughout the day, and I saw the box score. Um, I would imagine that, like, with Spencer Sanders, that there would be some growing pains in terms of how locked in he's going to be all the time. But I think it's clear that they have a future star there. Uh, I think Tylen Wallace is a star. I think Chuba Hubbard, obviously, is a star. So they have some pieces, but it's going to be defense and the quarterback. Um, and to me, that's a lot of question marks to expect more than uh, seven or eight wins out of them. All right. The next one, Baylor. I literally don't know anything about them. Like they haven't played anybody. They, I mean, they're playing, they're beating teams bad, but I mean, just absolute nobodies. Yeah. I like Matt rule uh, quite a bit. I think he's doing things. I now I am seeing this based more on this is kind of like, a preseason top 25 poll and how that label will kind of carry you through a season times. My assumption was that Baylor would be near the top of the middle of the pack in the big 12 going into the season. And they certainly haven't done anything to change my mind on that. Um, not only do they have Charlie Brewer, who I think is an upper half of the big 12 quarterback, but I forget the kid's name, but they have a backup. that's just a dazzling runner. He's been awesome. Oh yeah. Um, oh. Running the ball. But I like, that's another weapon for them. Um, I think right now, I would put Baylor as I, I say, I, you know, I sound very assured in what I'm saying here, but I would probably put Baylor as third in the big 12 right now. Uh, understanding that that's kind of a blind, a blind pick to put them there in a process of elimination with what I've seen from other teams. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and stick with that and be pretty high on Baylor. I had them at number three in my poll. And I think uh, once big 12 play gets started, we'll see what they truly are. But again, because Art Bryles had them, scheduled out with three cupcakes apiece before the Big 12 rule came around. You just don't get to see any from them until the conference play starts. Um, the next one, Texas Tech, they got some really bad news. They have a great quarterback, but he's truly made of glass. Yeah, he is, man. I feel so bad for Alan Bowman uh, twice with the collapsed lung thing and and now the injury that assigned him for uh, several weeks, I believe, was the, the quote from Texas Tech today. So that, that obviously dropped them a lot. I was also very disappointed with how they played at Arizona. I thought Texas Tech actually appeared to be uh, – I thought they had really through two weeks a very similar start to K-State where, you know, the, the competition level was lower, but they looked very sharp, organized, and did a lot of good things and made you think, hey, this team could be better than what you thought. So 
you know, if Alan Bowman is truly going to be out for a little while, I think Texas Tech is going to be right, right back at, you know, you have the Mendoza line in baseball. I feel like you should just have the Texas Tech line in football, which is a team that's going to be at five or six <laughs> wins. I mean, anywhere at five or six, not any worse, not any better. I feel like Texas Tech's going to be right at their Mendoza line again. Oh, I, I like that. I'm going to start calling that five, six mark, the Texas Tech line. That's good. Um, the next one, West Virginia, I was ready to write them off as maybe the uh, cellar dweller going into Saturday, but they uh, continued to, you know, shock the world and expose the ACC as the worst conference in Power 5 football. Yeah, what the hell has happened to the ACC, man? I mean, God. Um, it's it's the college version of the AFC East. You know, Clemson <laughs> is just like the Patriots are going to walk through their conference and go to the playoffs while you have the New York Jets and their starting quarterback with mono. It's like half the conference doesn't know how to play a damn football game. Uh, that is such an apt comparison, man. Yeah, that is that is exactly what it is. Um, yeah, West Virginia, I mean, they, they, feel, uh, they feel a Texas Techie kind of five wins or so. Like, I, I feel – they're on the Texas Tech line, but on the lower half of that, obviously, probably more toward four or five. Um, now, granted, I have not seen them very much. I watched um, I watched a cut up like a, a what do you want to call it? Like those things, the Big 12 post, like a 25 minute highlight. of the. Oh, of the, yeah. The condensed, condensed game. game. There you go. Um, I watched the condensed game of the Missouri game. But once it started getting out of hand, I stopped. So I have not seen a lot of West Virginia. And when I saw them, they were at their absolute worst. Um, but certainly there's been no evidence offered up to me that, uh, that they are going to be anything more than that. And as you know, my thoughts from my impressions of Neil Brown at big 12 media days, I was not overly impressed with him either. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, the other thing, Scott, me and you were the, were the gene homers. That means that we're going to hate <laughs> on Neil Brown the whole time. Um, because Gene obviously made the right decision. So, uh, West Virginia, not very good. I agree with you, and then we're going to wrap it up with uh, Les Miles' very own New York, New York, Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, they beat Boston College. I mean, they kicked Boston College's ass. Uh, I mean, it looked it looked bad to start with, but they turned it around, and they truly did own that game coming off a loss to the Chanticleers. What do you make from it? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've obviously taken plenty of shots at Les Miles, but I can't, I can't take any shots there. Um, I think – there are some similarities in, you know, like we can talk about how bad the ACC is and how bad Boston College may or may not be, but I honestly don't think that matters. And I think that's sort of similar in the context of like, okay, we can talk about how good we think Mississippi State actually is and what that means in terms of who K-State just beat, but it doesn't matter. What matters is K-State in that instance went on the road and beat a Power 5 SEC conference team with Chris Feynman in game three. And that's significant no matter how good that team actually is. I mean, Kansas had not won a Big 12 road game since uh, before the iPad. So, like, uh, or is a power, it was power five road game, I think, even, right? I mean, so yep. that that is incredibly significant for that program. It's incredibly significant for the confidence of, of kids in that program. I can't take anything away from them. They've got, they have a golden opportunity to be three and one uh, with West Virginia coming up. And then, that's the kind of thing where I do think Les and his staff are pretty good recruiters and they can start to pick up momentum there. I'm not saying they're going to be great by any stretch of the imagination, but they could win four games. And, um, and, and honestly, based on the way things were looking, that, that would seemingly be a nice step. 
yeah, I tell you what, if they somehow pull off that upset versus West Virginia on Saturday, I, there, there's going to be a lot of folks in that in that locker room kicking themselves for letting that Coastal Carolina game get away. Because uh, could you imagine KU fans coming out of the woodwork at 4-0? I mean, they already have a countdown to late night, but they might actually show up to a football game. Yeah, but also <laughs> – it also makes me look back and be like, I mean, damn it, Indiana State, they could still just be one and two, and you treat this more of an outlier. They that is lost true. that first that game, is so. That is very true. Um, so that's all I have for you. Uh, as always, we let the guests get the final words in. Uh, address Bonehead slash Bonehound Nation, however you want. Let them know where they can find your voice. Uh, you don't get to use as many fun words on your platforms, but uh, tell the boneheads where they can find you. Yeah, so bonehounds, I got uh, I got all sorts of places for you to find me. The thing I'm trying to push right now is my YouTube channel. Uh, just search John Kurtz on YouTube. Putting up multiple videos a week. We get so much more access now that it's easier to do this. Um, some audio snippets from some of the radio stuff I do throughout the week, plus just hearing from players and coaches, um, some really good stuff up there. Malik Knowles is the latest thing that I have up there. Um, him talking about how close he was to actually taking a knee uh, before he ran that kickoff back 100 yards. Um, that's the latest thing that I have on the YouTube channel. But you can also listen to the Faithful to Our Colors podcast um, from 610 Sports and the 435 Podcast Network. You can find that Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, same place that you find the game, which is my uh, daily show from four to six, uh, Monday through Friday, that you can find on Apple and Google Podcasts. Uh, let's see, am I missing anything? Powercat Game Day um, with Matt Hall of K State Online and Cole Manbeck, four hours before kickoff uh, for every K State football game. So, um, you guys need to rebrand that to just the friend, the friends of Bosco. It, it really is. It is definitely the friends of Bosco pregame show. <laughs> it's, it, we'll have to workshop that name. I, I feel like we could do better, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we can figure something out. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's uh, fun that we've become friends with you guys. And then, you know, for home games, the KCHD TV show, it's Brian Smoller, uh, Ian Campbell's been in there. I think week, week one was Nick Lecky over there. I can't remember. Travis Stanhill's been over there. It's basically, if you're doing any sort of pregame show, they've come on this show. So uh, I think we're the launching pad, pad for all of you guys. Well, I mean, in all, in all <laughs> honesty, I know that, uh, you know, you may not be looking for this, but it's a testament to how much you guys bust your ass, man. I mean, that's uh, that, that's what that is. You guys, you guys grind out there unlike anybody else, and uh, it's clearly working, my friend. Yep, we have a lot of fun with it. But uh, thanks again for coming on. Thank you to our sponsors, mybookie.ag, promo code CHAIR, Alma Creamery. Have you ever gotten some cheese curds from the Alma Creamery, John? I haven't, but I'm honestly, when I saw that they started oh. sponsoring uh, you guys, I was very intrigued. Okay, the next time I come up, if I, if I come up and hang out with, like, Matt Hall or something before a game, I'm going to stop there and bring you some of their garlic cheese curds. It's literally the best cheese I've had in my very young life. You know, I'm only... 27 i know you're the ripe old age of 30 so i'll uh since i have my youth I'll, I'll pick up the tab for those cheese skirts and then something that you probably will need because you're getting old blue chew go to bluechew.com promo code armchair it's free for your first time five dollars shipping the exact same price as a month of espn plus so you can watch the cats with a hard penis so that's all for the show. We love you guys. If you're looking for Grant, you can find him at the Cathead. 
uh, and go doubt John on all of his platforms. Thank you, guys. <laughs> all right, there you go. Tonight, I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. Podcast Network.